your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets for our podcast handle. As always, if you enjoy what you're hearing and want to stay tuned for the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Doing so is free and ensures you never miss another episode. Tonight's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. On tonight's episode, we are going to be taking a look at Winnipeg versus Toronto, which was promising to be a very interesting game. Both teams have a couple of notable absences, plus one or two additions that maybe caught some eyes. On Toronto's end, they were down Willie Nylander and Austin Matthews, both of whom are extremely important contributors at both even strength and on the power play. Winnipeg was down, of course, Blake Wheeler, as we we all expect. He's been out for a couple of games. It does sound like he's trying to skate and get back into shape, but it'll probably be a bit before we see him again. But the other missing player was actually very interesting. Logan Stanley was coming out of tonight's lineup because Vili Heinola was inserted. Now, if you've heard some of my other episodes, you know that I've talked about the need to bring Heinola into the lineup and the fact that Maurice didn't really seem super interested in it at first. My guess is somebody told him it needs to happen because Heinola came in almost immediately after Maurice was saying, we, we, you know, we'll maybe get some games in for him somewhere. It basically changed overnight because the next press conference was, we're definitely getting him game time, you know, now and during the postseason. So our boy Heinola may finally be freed if for only a few games. We were uh, obviously expecting very interesting things for the Jets with Heinola back in the lineup. I was kind of curious to know how he would be deployed. My guess was very sheltered. That tends to be how Huddy and Maurice like their rookies to be handled, but any form of Heinola I can get, I suppose I will take. That led to a very interesting start for the Jets. In the first couple of minutes, Winnipeg definitely looked like it was a little bit on the back foot, and uh, Toronto actually had some really good counters and, and crossing passes. One of them actually caught Morrissey and Pullman twice, And on the second attempt from Toronto, they actually got a goal that was a two-on-one odd man rush where Mark Shifley was actually supposed to be marking Alex Galchenyuk because Morrissey was nowhere to be seen. I didn't really feel like Shifley's back check was super aggressive and Galchenyuk basically had a really open um, short side shot to take. It actually went off the net and back out, and I think that the refs didn't really see it because they didn't signal for the goal, the horn didn't go off, and it took like 30 or 40 seconds before it finally did and registered the actual goal itself. The Jets then got themselves into some serious trouble because they had a 5-on-3 penalty kill. The first penalty was like some sort of a trip or something, and then the second one was DeMello cross-checking somebody in front of the net, which I didn't really like this call. I felt like DeMello, you know, cross-checking the guy he did. Yes, absolutely. That's, That's part of the game, though. And oftentimes, these basically never get called. I was just a bit shocked as to how it went, you know, called in this game and not in several others when it's constantly done to Winnipeg, but, you know, it is what it is. The Jets then, after killing off the 5-on-3 because Toronto's power play is pretty bad, they then got their own power play and scored just a few seconds in. Ehlers kind of uh, wristed one that was a little bit of a greasy shot through Jack Campbell, and I was expecting Campbell to be much better. He had to make a couple of early stops on guys like Paul Stastny, but on this one, it was just a shot that he needs to have. 
I was like, all right, you know, not not a bad tie-in goal. Maybe the Jets can get back in this one, but get back in this one they did almost immediately. Uh, on the next sequence, basically a shift or two later, Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor created a two-on-one rush the other way. And for once, you know, Shifley actually hit Connor with a perfect pass, and Connor sniped one right by Jack Campbell. So not a great start for Campbell. A couple of early goals almost in like a minute or so. Not a great time to be alive for the uh, for the the Leafs in this case. And then things only continue to get worse because just a minute or two later, then Shifley found himself on a breakaway attempt after I think Jake Muzzin or someone pinched from the blue line aggressively towards the center of the ice. And Pierre-Luc Dubois did this really nifty little stick lift that was almost like a, a stick hold of a sort, but instead of getting called for it, it actually seemed to go undetected somehow. It was kind of like a semi-hook, semi-stick lift, semi-hold, whatever you want to call it, really funny play. He basically muscled off whoever it was that he was uh, just stripping the puck from, and Shifley just streaked up the ice to score. This goal was probably not super ideal from Campbell. I feel like he maybe could have done a little bit better, but there's not a whole lot that you're going to do against Shifley on a breakaway when Mark is feeling it, so... I definitely put the first couple of goals against them as being notably worse, you know, and then and then the Jets were uh, content to kind of cruise around, create some chances off the rush. I felt like Winnipeg was playing fairly evenly. Toronto was trying to create as well. Generally speaking, though, both teams had trouble getting a high volume of chances. You could definitely tell that both teams were a little bit hesitant, especially the Leafs after giving up some really bad odd man situations. As far as a start is concerned, I guess you really couldn't ask for much more from the Jets, especially on the second half of a back-to-back. Last night, they played the Sens in a fairly uninspiring game. This performance, a lot better, even though you kind of get the sense that it was partly because Toronto was just really sloppy and the goaltending wasn't good. But, as always, you can only take what you're given, and I think that that's something really important for the Jets to keep in mind. You know, Winnipeg is not going to have, like, the world's toughest schedule against the North Division, right? But you still have to execute, still have to play well, and against the best team in the North Division... Down a couple of guys as they may be, that team is still very lethal. They've got plenty of great passers, great shooters. You know, Mitch Marner, every time he was on the ice, the Jets kind of crapped their pants. Jason Spezza has also been a real pest. Pierre Engvall, a fun player as well. Um, Nick Robertson, I believe, was in tonight as well. So this Toronto squad, not one to take lightly. I thought that the Jets handled the first period pretty well. They definitely were interested in scoring goals as quickly as possible. And the challenge was, well, now that you've got a two-goal lead heading into the second and third periods, could you hold it? Connor Hellebuck was definitely interested in doing so. I thought he looked pretty sharp, but, you know, the rest of the Jets' defense was going to be interesting. You might be wondering how Vili Heinola did. Generally speaking, he didn't get a whole lot of ice time, but I thought that when he was on the ice, especially inside the defensive zone, pretty good along the walls. He made some really good ceilings and uh, zone clearances. And then inside the offensive zone, he had two or three really good zone keeps, one of which he curled back towards the neutral zone to prevent a counter going the other way once he kept the puck inside. And the second of the keeps, he actually dropped below the blue line a little bit more and pinched along the walls very smartly, kept the play alive, and created an offensive chance for the fourth line. They didn't really do anything with it, but just him being able to get into those positions and keep the play alive is very important. About as good of a first period as you can expect for a guy who has not played in a month and is only getting like four minutes or four and a half minutes in the period. I'll let you know in just a moment how the Jets and Heinola fared, but before then, I thought you should hear about 1010. A capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited edition designs at fair price points. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Rings sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring. Ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece, they're the perfect way to bring light into her life. They're available now through Mother's Day only on BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10. 
This collection features high-quality, fine jewelry that will surprise and delight and fairly priced, so you can give her something special and truly meaningful. One that personally caught my eye is the engagement ring from Harwell Godfrey. It features strong geometry and is meant to represent wholeness and a continuum, just like love. If you're on the hunt for the perfect, unique ring she'll treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to check this out. They won't be around for long, so find them now by searching the words 10x10 only at BlueNile.com. Again, that is BlueNile.com. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are taking a look at Winnipeg versus Toronto, which was a very interesting game. Winnipeg left the first period up 3-1 and looking to be in a decent spot against a, a shorthanded Toronto team, but still a very good squad all the same. Before we dive into whether or not the Jets were able to hold that, I did think you should hear about why Locked on Today needs to be in your daily podcast rotation. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And now you're probably wondering how the Jets fared after that 3-1 lead. Well, Winnipeg in the second period was not so good. The first 10 or so minutes, the Jets were definitely scrambling a lot. I felt like Toronto's aggression was immediately noticeable. Winnipeg at first was definitely pressing higher up the ice, and they were disrupting some of Toronto's breakouts. In theory, and in, in some practices, this did actually create pressure on Toronto's blue line, but as Toronto started to figure out how to work out of it, they started getting bolder. Some of the crossing passes and overlapping routes were, were definitely hurting the Jets a bit more and it just felt like Toronto was starting to take over the game. When the Leafs are definitely rolling and, and passing very quickly and using these really good routes where their skaters can sort of adapt and react to how the Jets are positioned, this is where Toronto can really hurt the Jets and, and really just cut them apart, and I think that was really helpfully illustrated when the Jets actually conceded a goal to John Tavares. This one was an odd one. I watched the replay back, and at first I wasn't sure who exactly was responsible. What happened was there was somebody in the corner, um, basically two Toronto skaters on the right wall, which would be our left if we're watching it from the Jets' perspective, and Heinola is, you know, with both of those skaters. Dylan DeMello seems to recognize that Heinola is in fact outnumbered, so he comes across to try and pinch and, and get a like a seal along the walls to support Heinola. Vili seems to recognize that John Tavares is actually right off the bench and streaking in on the right side and sort of uh, drifts over towards the, the, the right post near the net, trying to see if he can actually cover a couple of different skaters. By now, DeMello is along the walls and already out of the play by the time the puck is off the, uh, the the opposing skater's stick. And so, you know, Mark Shifley is coming in towards the center of the ice. And then on the left side, Pierre-Luc Dubois is sort of chasing down Tavares. What's noticeable here is that neither Shifley nor, in this case, Pierre-Luc Dubois actually disrupted Tavares from getting the inside cut. And once Tavares was basically inside that open space, the Jets were done. Uh, Tavares basically won the inside route, cut in towards the net, and tipped it home, which is exactly the kind of thing that he's very much capable of doing. I feel like Heinola is going to get punished for this one a bit, but it wasn't really on him. I actually think that he made the right read, and I think he kind of got stuck in no man's land. You know, DeMillo had chased to support him using like the man-on-man -man scheme, which I think is, is sort of a symptom of the system rather than something that is necessarily on DeMillo entirely, but... This is kind of where the Jets' defensive structure is very much vulnerable to the way that Toronto plays, and I feel like if you're trying to use like the man-to-man -man scheme, you need to have a little bit more flexibility in how you mark. Uh, DeMello ended up kind of peeling off of the guy who might have been his at first until Pierre-Luc Dubois was on the ice, and once he committed towards the corner to support Heinola, it was basically over, so... Uh, a little bit of a busted sequence, and then Toronto continued to create a lot of offensive pressure. You could feel the goal was coming anyways, it was sort of inevitable, but the Jets thankfully didn't concede anything else. 
And towards the end of the period started showing some signs of life. I think they even got a power play late, but unfortunately failed to score. And then right before the whistle for intermission, I think Pierre-Luc Dubois was getting a penalty. He kind of came in a little bit high on Alex Kerfoot, although I think this one was totally unintentional. It seemed like he was going shoulder to shoulder, but in this case he seemed to catch Kerfoot a little bit up high because Alex had ended up turning just a little bit right as uh, Dubois was coming in. I believe that's the penalized call unless there was something else. I really couldn't tell, and the uh, the NHL website wasn't actually listing the penalty while I was recording this, so not 100% sure what the call is. We'll find out once the game resumes. Um, all in all, not a great second period for the Jets. They basically got smacked around a bit. But one interesting thing was noticing that throughout the period, the, uh, the, the ice time between the five defenders that were not named Heinola was definitely noticeable. It was fairly even for the most part. They were leaning on Derek Forbort a little more than I would like. And at times, Pullman would get shifted with DeMello, which is, for me, not exactly ideal. I think Heinola is more than capable of handling these minutes. He was around 10 minutes on the night as the uh, end of the second period came into view, so... Overall, not playing a whole lot. I, I know that he's going to be sheltered for his first game back, but I feel like with the kind of zone keeps that he has, his ability to cleanly exit the defensive zone and some of the smarter plays that he was making, I wouldn't mind giving him some more ice time. You definitely want to give your rest for some of your top starters, and I feel like Heinola has done enough to suggest, yeah, you can trust him with a few more shifts. The goal against I don't think was on him, but I'm, I'm sure that the Jets would maybe feel a little bit differently. Hopefully the coaching staff doesn't punish Vili for what, for me, was kind of a systems failure rather than an individual player. We'll know soon enough how the Jets handle this third period, starting off with a, a bit of a power play against, which is going to be fun. You know, the Jets PK against the Leafs. Even though the Leafs power play is kind of bad, the Jets PK is not exactly optimal. So cross your fingers, hope for the best. We'll find out in just a little bit. Before we go any further, I thought you should know about why rockauto.com should be the only place you buy your auto parts. Buying auto parts is always a bit of a stressful experience. Even if you know what you're looking for, you might not know if you're paying the best prices. A lot of us probably don't really know the difference between, you know, a part here and a part there, or maybe it's just a bit of a difficult process and we don't have time to wait around in line at a retail store for a part that might not even be in stock. If you're tired of wasting time and money, turn to rockauto.com. RockAuto.com is a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. Their easy-to-use, intuitive website allows you to sort by make, year, and model of your vehicle, as well as setting a price range filter so you always get the exact parts you need at the prices you want. Whether you're looking for a new engine control module or a floor mat replacement, RockAuto.com's diverse catalog is sure to have what you need in stock. Best of all, you can save anywhere from 20, 30, even 50% off retail brick-and-mortar in-store pricing, so why shop anywhere else? When you place your order, be sure to write locked on the knee, how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, visit rockauto.com today. The world of online betting can often be a very dicey affair. You need to know that there's a name you can trust and that's safe, reliable, and convenient every single time. If you're still searching, betonline.ag has your back. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, NHL, international soccer, and so many other fantastic sports are all in full swing. Not a sports fan? No problem. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, featuring real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Whether you're interested in bidding on the next Stanley Cup champion or who you think is getting voted off your favorite reality TV show next, BetOnline also keeps you up to date with all the latest news, scores, and odds you need to make the most informed bets every single time. It's super convenient, and getting started couldn't be easier. Just go to betonline.ag on your desktop or your mobile device, and be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON at registration to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus when you make your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are recapping Winnipeg 
versus the Toronto Maple Leafs in what was a uh, an interesting game. So the second period, the Jets kind of sat back, weren't really able to create a whole lot, and then the third period rolled around, and now the Jets were defending a one nothing lead. And in the start to the third period, Toronto was definitely trying to be aggressive and getting shots on goal as quickly as possible, taken from multiple angles, trying to crash the slot and get the Jets into some bad situations. Sometimes this does actually work because Winnipeg's defenders tend to hate chaos a lot. They don't really handle it all that well, and certainly if you're peppering Hellebuck and there's a lot of rebounds and the Jets don't really clear the crease, there are good scoring chances for teams like Toronto. Despite outshooting Winnipeg something like 5-0 through the first few minutes of the period, Winnipeg actually ended up scoring first because Mitch Marner was going back into his own zone with the puck, trying to spring a breakout after he was sort of recoiling, and Nikolai Ehlers just sort of chased him down. Ehlers kind of got the inside on him and then ended up stripping the puck and going towards Riddick with a sort of a breakaway, just sort of backhanding it through Dave. I don't think Riddick really expected it. He really wasn't set at all, and it just sort of went right between his pads because he wasn't really in a position to make the save. It was actually kind of funny to watch it because Ehlers just sort of had, you know, all the time in the world to basically score, and it's a bit of a greasy one that I'm sure Riddick would love to have back. And then after that, Toronto was not exactly super effective. Like, they had a couple of good point shots, and I felt like a couple of chances here and there in the slot, but generally speaking, when it came down to it, Winnipeg was blocking a lot of the best chances And I think the Leafs went so centrally that a lot of the opportunities, Winnipeg sort of got the pattern and was mostly snuffing out. So overall, I think the Jets did enough, relatively speaking. I wouldn't say it was like a sterling defensive effort because it it wasn't necessarily. But considering what we're used to, it felt like the Jets were managing the chaos well enough. You know, we've definitely seen a lot of cross-seam passes really disrupt the Jets. We've seen some really silly stuff when, you know, Winnipeg's defenders get under pressure. Tonight really didn't have that feel. It felt like the Jets were pretty comfortable with the lead and and definitely maintained it. And then towards the end of the game, you know, with a goalie pull, Toronto ended up taking a penalty. And I believe Kyle Connor scored on the empty net to make it 5-2. So overall, I would say a pretty fun win. Um, Billy Heinola's debut was okay. I would say, well, I guess not really debut, but um, debut over, you know, compared to not playing for the last month or so, I would say was, was okay, you know. He really wasn't given all that many minutes, and it felt like he was getting a lot of defensive zone shifts with the fourth line, which I'm not really fond of. Defensively speaking, he made mostly decent reads, a couple of good passes, thought that his uh, clearances and exits were fine. Um, Not not really able to affect the course of the game like he was in the AHL and certainly with uh, Team Finland, which you would expect in very limited minutes in your first game of, of hockey action, really, in about a month. Otherwise, you know, not a bad performance. I feel like the Jets were were fine enough. Um, Winnipeg had a good game, I would say, relatively speaking. I thought that they might lose this one, even without Nylander and Matthews. That's a very dangerous team. Thankfully for the chances that the Jets did surrender, Connor Hellebuck was doing pretty darn well, and I felt like the Jets were were pretty much in control. So overall, I would be I would be pleased with this. I think most fans would be happy. Certainly not a bad way to go and and enter the weekend. I believe the Jets will be playing Edmonton next on Saturday. The Oilers are getting a spot of extra rest because their game against the Canucks has been canceled, so we'll see how they are. They've had a little bit more time off than the Jets will. Let's hope that Winnipeg can kind of finish their schedule out, continuing a uh, a strong push towards the postseason and hopefully a few more wins. Winnipeg only has 12 games left in the schedule. Let's hope for, uh, you know, mostly dubs. I-, I think the Jets have the potential to be okay during the postseason. I don't really know how I feel about them overall, but we'll find out. Maybe we'll even get Jordy Ben on the weekend and see if he's actually an improvement on this defense. I'd love to hear your thoughts about the upcoming games or even tonight's games, so let me know at HLLivingLoco and at LL underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. 
For this episode, though, that is going to do it. Before you log off, be sure to check out Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Be a waiver wire winner with daily fantasy hockey advice from Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Expert Scott Cullen gives you the tips, insights, and analysis for season-long Dynasty and DFS League. Follow the Locked On Fantasy Hockey podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite shows. And as always, thanks for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!